Across the country, the community composting movement is growing. Small-scale composting provides communities immediate opportunities for reducing waste, improving local soil, creating jobs, and fighting climate change. You're listening to the Composting for Community podcast, where we'll bring you stories from the people doing this work on the ground and in the soil. Welcome back to the Composting for Community podcast. I'm Linda Bilson's Brolis of ILSR's Composting Initiative, and in this episode, I talked to Kari Diop, a fifth-generation grower from Atlanta, who's the founder and CEO of Think Green Incorporated, a community benefit organization that connects people to the planet by redefining green space with purposeful, creative restoration and design. He's had a hand in cultivating dozens of gardens and green spaces around Atlanta. He's also the Community Compost Learning Lab Manager at the Truly Living Well Center for Natural Urban Agriculture, which is a long-standing Atlanta institution that trains farmers and grows fresh produce for the community. We talk about his evolution from a school garden educator to a farm-scale composting system designer and operator, and how composting bolsters the local food system and contributes to his mission to advance food sovereignty in his community. Let's tune in. Hello, folks. I'm joined now by Kari Diop in Atlanta. Say hello, Kari. Hello, Kari. <laughs> or say hello to our listeners. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? So let's begin with you telling us about yourself, your work, and your community in Atlanta. Okay. My name is Kari Diop. I'm uh, 46, father of three with one on the way. I'm a Georgia native. Grew up in Southwest Atlanta, where I still primarily work in the community that I was raised in. I'm a fifth generation grower. I'm an environmental educator, a community garden evangelist, a food security activist, and I'm the CEO of Think Green, Inc. Wow, what a great introduction for yourself and congratulations. I didn't know that. Yeah, thank you. Fourth one on the way. So how does composting fit into your work? I guess I can start from the beginning. Like much of my early work was in community and and school garden, like support and gardener education. And later kind of got into garden design and build. And kind of for the last few years, I've been focusing heavy on small scale, kind of farm scale community composting activities. A huge kind of, I guess, impetus of that was introducing the compost knock system to Atlanta, probably 2016, 2017, through the Food Weather Alliance, who has now built dozens and community gardens all throughout the city. And then in 2021, I heard about a certification course in compost facility operations management that was uh, being offered through uh, the Vermont Agency of Natural Resources. It was led by James McSweeney of Compost Technical Services. So when I heard about it, this was kind of followed up after attending the community composting conference. So when I heard about it, I jumped in the course, completed it. And uh, once I was done with it, I volunteered to take over the community composting lab at True Living Well. I've been doing that since 2021. Awesome. Thanks for that rundown. That reminds me, I remember the first time that I heard your name was back in 2016. We partnered with Terra Nova Compost yeah. with the support yeah. of the Foodwell Alliance to do a replication of our neighborhood soil rebuilders composter training program. It was the first time I'd ever been to Atlanta. What yeah, a- that, was, that was a dope organization I formed with um, Corinne Cole, a brother named Eugene Alala, another farmer named Chris, and uh, Terra Nova, I think is still in existence. Corinne is doing her thing. The Atlanta community gave us a very warm welcome. So it was super cool to see that. 
happen. Yeah, it was amazing. So I know you're going to be presenting at the Cultivating Community Composting Forum in January, which is happening in conjunction with the U.S. Composting Council's conference and trade show. And I know you're going to be talking about some of the composting systems that you've managed there, but I was hoping you could give us a brief overview of the system that's in play at Truly Living Well. Sure. We run a three-bay ASP system. I mean, we process between three and four tons of green material per week. Primarily, it's Georgia-grown collards, coals from um, a local commercial farmer's market mixed with wood chips, and those are brought in by local arborists and tree trimmers. Last year, we processed about 200 tons, and this year, we're probably on track to do about 220. Most of what we produce goes to the farm at True Living Well, and a lot of it also goes to support local growers. Well, congratulations. That's that's a lot of material you are processing. It's um, definitely not a light lift, and I'm a part-time person up until recently. It's been 10 hours a week for me, so a lot to do with a little bit of time. Recently, through the support of the Food Well Alliance, we've been able to hire an assistant. So brother named Walter has been super amazing help. That's great to hear. Congratulations yeah. on that. And I've been seeing on your Instagram a uh, hex bin design that you've been working on. Can you talk about that? Yeah, the hex bin was inspired by uh, Peter Moon and the O2 Compost team. I learned about them and, and saw one on one of the um, ILSR webinars and was immediately won over. It's a two-bin ASP system. It's replacing a compost knox that had kind of gone in disuse and disrepair in a local food forest. So I, I had the, the pleasure of being able to build that original system with um, a group of young folks who were going through a urban agriculture and forestry training program, and then full circle to be asked to come back and, and, and rebuild a system was an honor. So hopefully this one should be um, a little bit more easy to operate for the folks who uh, community garden in the space. Right. Yeah. We'll definitely include links to the compost Knox design put out by urban farm plans. Yeah. And then I'll definitely link to pictures of your, the hex bin system that you're working on just in case there's anybody listening that doesn't know what an ASP system is. Aerated static pal, meaning we use mechanical systems, machines, in, in our case, blowers, bouncy house blowers to force air through the system. So we have four inch PVC pipes that are with the hex bin, they are underneath the bin, so to speak. And with the base system at the community composting lab, they're actually running the length of the pal. Very cool. So just basically keeps air flowing to help keep the compost cooking. Yeah, yeah. So what, it, I mean, what it does is it's, it's kind of a labor saving force multiplier. So it, 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 removes the necessity of physically turning a pile by forcing air through the system, feeding all of those beneficial aerobic microbes. Beneficial for volunteer-run projects or where projects just don't have enough labor. So very cool. look forward to following that. So as I think you know, ILSR promotes composting for the many social, economic, and environmental benefits it provides to communities have you seen any of these benefits in your work? Really all of them. You know, the building of community around composting is a major one. Here in Atlanta, we have a hugely successful business called Compost Now that employs a lot of folks. One of the businesses that also drops compostables at the community composting lab is Gooder. 
They are food reclamation organizations doing amazing work here in Atlanta as well. I'm on the environmental side, you know, the diversion that we are doing is, is major. And um, Compost Now is probably doing 10 times what our numbers are. And a lot of their amendment that is produced is going towards local growers um, and farms. And a majority of what we produce in the lab is going directly into the, the beds at TLW and being used to produce amazing organic veggies that are going directly to the surrounding community. So all of those pieces are bolstered and enhanced by community composting. Very cool. That leads me into my next question. You're featured in this great video series called The Seeds of Resilience that the Foodwell Alliance put out a couple years ago. It's great. And you talk about the ability to grow food as being a key, if not the key, to freedom. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Well, you know, if one of the markers of maturity of an individual is the ability to provide for oneself, you know, provide our basic needs. I think that the mark of maturity for a community and for people is, is that same ability. And specifically my community, African-Americans, Black folks, we need that and have needed that, you know, since time immemorial, especially since our, our time on this side of the water. So I think we have to be hypervigilant in ensuring that we are providing the best nutrition for ourselves and for our children and and for our families and each other. And um, I think if we can get to the point where we can do that on scale, then a huge pressure will be lifted off of the shoulders and the backs and the minds of folks, freeing them up to figure out the next step in our evolution as a, as a nation within a nation. So yeah, I'm all about that. My definition of community self-reliance, definitely being able to grow your own food features very prominently. And that's actually what brought me to composting as well. But I've heard of food sovereignty being defined as the right of peoples to healthy and culturally appropriate food produced through sustainable methods and their right to define their own food and agricultural systems. It sounds very similar to what you're talking about. That was a definition from La Via Campesina which is the International Peasants Movement that started in the 90s. So from your perspective and in your experience, what are the biggest barriers to food sovereignty in your community? I think the biggest barrier for us is the lack of imagination. You know, I think part of that is the failure of our educational system, you know, to really empower folks for radical, independent thinking and, and, and being. I think secondly is lack of access to land. You know, a big part of that is due to like systematic divestment of our people, you know, through crooked and unscrupulous dealings by those in power and, and sometimes through straight up violence and theft. And I think thirdly is the lack of access to capital it's through intentional disinvestment and sometimes even through misappropriation of funds, you know, by organizations that are supposedly put in place to increase food security to end up with bloated office staff and misdirected Band-Aid solutions for their funding priorities. I think those are a few in bullet form, but we could go deeper into it, of course. Yeah, those are some structural issues that definitely need addressing. And I think that what excites me about composting is it's something that can be done by anyone Absolutely. pretty much under any circumstances to help kind of chip away at some of those issues in the and the community composting movement, especially really going out and addressing of the communities that, that these projects are serving and getting that information, that knowledge out there, composting something that 
you can start doing now. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a lot of infrastructure to get started. And and reconnecting people with, with the food system just in general. I think we're all super aware of it when our forks hit the plate. But on that back end, what are we doing with what, what doesn't make it into our stomachs? So I think that reconnecting people with that responsibility to figure out what we're going to do with what it is that we don't use and then redirecting that to spaces that are producing what it is that we need, you know, goes hand in hand with the whole recycling movement and a greater consciousness about our responsibilities as humans on, on the planet. Yeah, I think composting is like the perfect vehicle for making those connections with people to the planet. One of the things my grandfather used to say was, you know, they, they aren't making any, any more land. They ain't making no new land. But, you know, we do have the ability, I think, to participate in that creation process of making new land and new earth. That's where we got the term Terra Nova from through composting. So I love to see it more and more of it. Yeah, we have to steward what we have because it is not an infinite resource. It is very much finite. We'll be right back after a really short break. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Composting for Community podcast. If you're enjoying it, please consider supporting our work with a donation by going to ilsr.org forward slash donate. Your donations make this show and all the work we do here at ILSR possible. Visit ilsr.org forward slash donate to make your contribution today. Any amount is sincerely appreciated. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, consider rating or leaving a review of the show wherever you listen to your podcast. These reviews help us reach a wider audience. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. I resonate with the mission of Think Green Incorporated, your mission as I read it. Yeah, we actually started off as a, a technology. I had a technology focus. I wanted to be able to really get a handle on the data that was flowing through community garden spaces. But we found that there was a niche that was un, unfilled and support for these spaces. So, but the, th- the impetus and the, the genesis of Think Green was really as, as a technology data company. So we're, we're hoping to get back more towards that in uh, 2023. Cool. That's really, that leads into my next question. But before, before I get to that, do you have a sense, do you know how many green spaces or community gardens or community spaces you've been involved in stewarding? I would say that I probably had a hand in a couple of dozen, probably 30 to 40. Back in 2020, during the height of the pandemic, the Full Well Alliance asked me to serve as a community garden support person. So because they couldn't take large groups of volunteers in, they would send me in with uh, DCS Tiller to make sure that the spaces were taken care of and were able to produce food. So that allowed me to touch so many growing spaces. I lost count. Wow. That's quite an accomplishment. And what a great community service at the height of the pandemic when it was, I mean, the food system pretty much broke down. Thank you for helping. It was great to be a part of it. And, you know, every day I, I would wake up and feel like I was really contributing. Very cool and very, very necessary. And what a wake up call to see sort of the weaknesses in a system, a huge system that 
again, out of sight, out of mind, you can take for granted if, when it's working more or less the way it's intended to, but then you get a big stressor like the pandemic and it just shines a bright light on some of those weaknesses. Yeah, it was a huge shock. I mean, I think we all saw how fragile it is. I think many of us have, you know, kind of accepted the realization that if these trucks stop running or if the price of fuel gets exorbitantly high, then, you know, things are going to be majorly disrupted. But I think we saw that firsthand thanks to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And it really just exacerbated weaknesses, right? Like the food system works well for certain people, yeah. but like the whole mission to support food sovereignty gets at the point that it doesn't work for everybody, even you know when it's working as intended. Exactly, which is why ILSR's work is so important in, in, in building up that local self-reliance. That's what, that's what I'm all about, so I completely align with uh, you all's mission. Well, thank you. You are the one that's out there in the field doing it. So it's such an honor and a pleasure to get to work with people like you. But back to the question that you perfectly were leading into earlier. What are some of your goals for the coming year? Yeah, like I said, um, a greater emphasis on data collection and analysis. We want to be able to measure and increase our efficiency. We want to be able to grow the scientific capacity of the lab to provide in-depth analysis of our product. And also to be able to provide that service to local growers and gardens. We also want to be piloting some restaurant and residential waste diversion programs that we've received some funding for. And I'll probably be building a few more hex bins. So we'll see how this first one works out. I got a training for the uh, the gardeners, folks who visit the food forest coming up this Friday. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Very cool. So you're going to get really good at building that system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to, I think, give a presentation on it at some point in the Community Composter Coalition peer learning community. Most definitely. I tried to figure out how to do it in the most economical way possible. So I can't wait to follow that thread. I guess kind of as a closing question, do you have any advice or lessons learned that you would like to share with composters that are just getting started or any other resources that you might recommend? that have inspired you on your path? I would say work with what you got. When I first came on as the manager of the community composting lab, we were completely volunteer driven from accepting all of the inputs to building the pals. And then we were lucky enough to get a little mini Bobcat skid steer, which, oh my God, I thought we were cooking with grease, cooking with, cooking with gas once we got that thing it was great. And then I, I, I quickly saw that taking two hours to move a pile, even with that, was, was too long. So we were able to purchase a Kubota tractor, which is, you know, allows us, allowed us to grow by leaps and strides to getting things done and becoming more efficient. But um, I would say work with what you got and keep it manageable and build relationships with folks in the community who can provide resources. At one point, one of the most difficult things for us was was getting enough brown material, enough carbon inputs. So we had, had to kind of reestablish our relationship with the local arborists and tree trimmers. Once we did that, you know, I mean, some of y'all will, will know that at, at a certain point, you got to tell them to stop, which is a good thing. Try to build those local relationships. Are there any additional resources that have inspired you along your path in this work? 
Um, yeah, James McSweeney, most definitely. You know, he, I think, played a pivotal part in designing the community composting lab. Like I said, Peter Moon with O2 Compost, when I saw their hexagonal design for Ben and then started working through the math, I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? Just because of the space saving and, and you know efficiency aspect. Yeah, I would say they, they've definitely been great resources. You know, James got that great, great book. Also one of my early mentors in composting, Rashid Murray, who's the founder of Truly Living Well, who kind of helped me get in touch with the spiritual nature and aspect of composting, organic recycling. Great. And I know James McSweeney's Community Scale Composting Systems, we'll definitely link to that. And I know Eric Martig with Conscious Compost, I believe he designed at least one iteration of the Truly Living Well system, but I know James was really helpful in thinking through the throughput of the system and all that. You know some of the history, you know it. (laughs) I do a little bit. Um, I've had the great pleasure of collaborating with Truly Living Well and Food Well Alliance and other Atlanta folks. And I consider it a pleasure and an honor. And I just think like to summarize the lessons you shared that knowing what your limitations are, scaling Mm -hmm. up slowly and relationships and communication it takes an ecosystem for sure to make these things happen. You said it so well. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, I, I was cop- I was following you, so you made it easy for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Kari, it was a great pleasure to chat with you just now. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure as well. I hope this helps. It definitely did. So I look forward to sharing this with our listeners. Most definitely. And if um, people have any questions, you know, feel free to give out my information and Um, People can email me, call me. I love to talk about this stuff. Thank you for being so generous with yourself and your knowledge and experience. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Composting for Community podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This episode was produced by Drew Birschbach and ILSR's composting team. Our theme music is I Dunno from Grapes. Be sure to check out the rest of the ILSR podcast family, including building local power, local energy rules, and community broadband bits at ilsr.org.